0: What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lynn, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast, where we are set to transform the workplace. I'm happy you're tuning in and joining me on this journey as we talk about leadership and its effect on the employee experience. Did you know that you can give a People First Leader a shout out here on the podcast? Check out the listen page on our website, leadingpeoplefirst.com, and share some praise that you have for that amazing leader in your life, and I'll be sure to highlight that person in a future episode. We all want our workplaces to be these amazing places to work, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? We all want to be happy, and we all all want to love uh, what we do and the people that we're around. We kind of envision our workplaces to be almost be like a fairy tale. However, as much as I love the magic of Disney, the workplace is not Disneyland, right? We need to let it go. Our workplaces are messy, and this episode's guest is no stranger to leading into the unknown. Vivian Aqua is a multicultural and multi-passionate leader focused on inspiring and empowering others to be their best selves through wellness and her work at DEI. Vivian is the head of Viva La and Amplify DEI, where she's making a huge global impact on humanizing the workplace. But before we dig a little deeper into this interview, I do want to ask you something. Are you a people-first leader looking for ways to help your team feel connected while working apart? And are you ready to disrupt traditional training methods with creativity and play? This episode's People First Partner, WorkSmart, has solutions for you. With their hands-on virtual experiences using creativity and play, team development and leadership training is never boring, always inclusive and highly engaging. Make sure you visit WorkSmart's website under We're Virtual to bring a program to your organization. That's WorkSmartAdvantage.com. Now be our guest and let's dive right into this interview. Hi, Vivian. Welcome to the Leading People First podcast. It's great to have you on. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, you're doing some really amazing work. There's a lot of things that you're doing, um, especially this year. This year, 2020, has been a really big year for you with your Amplify DEI virtual summits, uh, with your series on humanizing the workplace, and you're doing a lot of work around Um, you know, just people and, and wellness and DEI. So what I would love to ask you is what I ask all of my guests is what does it mean to you to lead people first?
1: Without people, you wouldn't have a company and without people you wouldn't have a team. So for me, it's a no brainer to lead people first, to amplify them their talents their uniqueness their savviness and let them boost your revenue let them boost the engagement that's a no-brainer for me
0: yeah there's a lot to think about when our our leaders don't necessarily always let their teams do the work they -hmm. tend to want to control and and do the work but that leads to burnout from a leadership perspective and so uh, you know, we hire people to to do the work and they're very often much better at doing that work than we are as as leaders. So we need to let them let them do that work. So I know that you've had a very, you have a very interesting and a really great story on how you got to where you are today. So can you share a little bit for the people who are listening, how you learned to lead people first and to get to where you are today at this point?
1: I would say that Um, with everything I'm doing, I'm using my own personal experience and also the experiences that people share with me. And I have seen not that many inclusive leaders or not that many leaders who really know how to, uh, nudge their people or, um, inspire their people and bring out the best in them. And I always dreamt of having that, creating that environment or becoming one of them and hosting Amplify dei but also knowing that i have a son who is at the moment seven and i just want to do my utmost best to be that leader but also inspire artists to do better because like maya angelo is saying right when you know better you do better and if people yes. aren't aware of how to be an inclusive leader or how to lead and how to lead others inspire others to do better and to own up their self leadership then i wouldn't be doing my job so um it sounds weird but i listen to my son and it's the little things that he's saying it's the little things that he's doing which he's he's upholding a mirror and i just look i'm just looking at myself and and learning what i can do better that's 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 it
0: What is the biggest lesson that you've learned from your son? Now that you, since you say that
1: the biggest lesson is when he was four, he just started his um, I think it's preschool or kindergarten Mm -hmm. in the States. And um, I was talking to my partner. I don't know the context of what we are saying, but he called us and, and said that that's a fixed mindset. And I was just like, whoa. Where did you learn that? Because I did not know about the fixed mindset, at least, you know, I'm 40 now. But the first time that I heard something about the fixed mindset and growth mindset was when I was in my 30s. So how come a four-year-old is not telling me off about the fixed mindset? Apparently, (laughs) um, his school is very fixed upon teaching the kids in every school year, what it is to have a growth mindset and what it is to have a fixed mindset so it's a cool trick also to use that at home because every time that he needs to uh clean his room or put his lego in his uh boxes i just say just use your growth mindset because we (laughs) we need the room we need the space (laughs) so activate your growth mindset in the beginning he 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 felt annoyed but now i know that it's it's a good way to teach people to look beyond their scope to to see the different lens or look have a different put on a different lens than the lens that you are accustomed to and that's what he's teaching me while he was just four
0: that is some that is really really amazing um I'm a little jealous. I want to send my kids to your son's school. <laughs> um, I That's something that I've never thought about actually. And that's a really good point where we don't teach our children to lo- learn, mm-hmm. to grow. Yeah. We just teach them yeah. uh, information. And so having that mindset and learning that mindset is something that I think we need to, evolve to as we move forward as a society it's not about what you know necessarily but can you learn it yeah can you become better can you progress and that's something that has i think held us back especially here in the states where uh, i'm not sure about the rest of the world but having that fixed mindset oh yeah we we
1: Europe has a fixed mindset. We definitely have a fixed mindset in the Netherlands, so (laughs) no worries about that. (laughs) Okay.
0: So what is the, you know, you, you talk to a lot of leaders from around the world and especially around humanizing the workplace and DEI. What has been the biggest unexpected insight that you've heard someone share?
1: The unexpected insight is... Not realizing that their team members were hurting, especially during this black lives uh, matter movement, or when uh, when it was all over the news and everybody was uh, a lot of people were protesting, and a lot of people also were speaking up within the company, uh, exposing what it is to be the minority within the company, how it feels like and how they are seen. Um, There were some people that, you know, stick their head in the sand. I call that the ostrich movement. And there were also, luckily, a lot of people who really wanted to do better. And like I said, when you know better, you do better. And even though you don't know the answers, that's where I am here for, is to support you, to guide you, and to at least give you options so that you can have that conversation with your people to see, okay, I know where we are at and it's not the best scenario where we are in right now, but I want us to do better. I want us to move the needle. How can we do that? And which topics do we need to address? Which topics do we need to activate so that people can activate their listen and learn modus to raise awareness and to really embrace inclusion to really embrace diversity to really embrace that this is the way to go
0: yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity for leaders to take a step back and that's something that a lot i would say a strong majority if not almost all leaders are not used to Mm -hmm. taking a step back to listen and understand and not act so, what you know I know you work with a lot of leaders and and managers and organizations. What have you done to help them take that step back and not take action and really focus on listening because I think again, companies know what they should be doing, but then when it comes to actually carrying that out and implementing it, that's the most difficult part. So, what are you doing or what are you seeing? leaders doing around the world to actually listen to their teams and understand the pain that they're going through?
1: I can share two things that I'm doing. So first of all, I'm starting with an icebreaker where we are getting to know each other in an intimate setting because it has to be an intimate setting because people are sharing their really personal stuff, really vulnerable stuff. And getting to know the person next to you why it is that they are not shaking, you know, not addressing you with their left hand or their right hand or why they are looking down or why they always say yes. While they're saying no, we need to know the different cultures. After that, we have that, you know, that unconscious bias conversation training and really challenge them. What are you going to do next? What is the next option, the next action that you're going to take? Because when you follow a presentation or a workshop with me, it's not just that I show up and do my, you know, my circus act and that's it. It's I'm you, ch- challenging you to do better. I am leaving a question with what are you going to do to amplify DEI in your surroundings? I'm not asking you to bungee jump. I'm asking you to take a small step to decrease the challenges that people, minority people are facing at the moment where they don't feel inclusive.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of work that can make a big impact around us in our immediate circles, Mm -hmm. whether or not that's our teams, our social circles, things like that. But again, when you think about the multiplication or exponential effect that it has around them, uh, just based on your action, it's quite immense. So when, when we look at how you can hold those leaders accountable as you have conversations with them, right, looking at what they are going to do to amplify DEI, what is the biggest hurdle that you have with them from that point forward because like any training that I've I've uh, given right you can usually get them to understand the concepts you can get them to actually act on the the concepts and take action but the follow-up and the repeated behaviors to make sure that it is actually taking hold and it is actually being utilized is the hardest part Mm -hmm. or second hardest part behind ROI so what are you doing then to make sure that you are seeing them take action and actually amplifying DEI yeah. after they after they leave you or work with you?
1: The first thing is really making them clear that it's not a one-night stand. It's not just, you know, following this training and you're done. It's a commitment where you are committing yourself to at least a half year or one year where I follow up on you. And also it's not only my task to follow up on them, but it's also their team members' task to challenge each other and to really follow up on each other. Where are we? How far are we? Why aren't we, you know, where we want to be? What's holding us back? What are the challenges that we're facing so that they, the people in the team have a sense of feeling that they're doing the work because not, not sharing that follow-up. It's just like, okay, we've done that training and here we go again. It's just mm-hmm. a checklist. We're ticking it off and that's it. No, everybody now knows everybody that is involved now knows where we are and that we're doing the work. And sometimes good things take time. Good things take time. Another challenge, what, you know, leaders or companies are facing is being afraid to say something or do something wrong. And I encourage them that when they show up authentically, when they are transparent about what they want to do and that they are including the people or including the the diverse workforce or task group in this project, they will all know, the people will all know they are human. And sometimes mistakes will happen. But when a mistake happens, the only thing that you can do is apologize or Stand up and say, we did something wrong, but we want to learn from this and help us to grow better, to do better.
0: What is the biggest obstacle from, from your, in your opinion, for leaders to accept mistakes and accept failure?
1: they need to learn about the growth and a fixed mindset. First of all, I need to record (laughs) that for them or my son needs to address it for them and say, Hey, it's a fixed mindset because it's funny how you're open to learn from a child. At least I am. But when an adult says something to you that you're holding a fixed mindset, then we are building up, you know, a wall and, and we leave it like that. So, um, We need to activate our listen and learn mode. When you are a leader, you have to see yourself as a coach. And when you are a coach, you are working with a team. It's not a solo or one man's job or one woman's job. It's a team that is creating the business result, it's a team that is creating the engagement, it's the team that is creating that spirit. Working from home makes it even more essential to activate the team building effect or to activate that aspect because without the team you're nothing without the people you're nothing
0: building relationships is the number one thing that uh, can help drive results and like you said working from home is makes that relationship building even more important and so it's really tough for leaders to i think figure out how do I cultivate relationships, not just between me and my employees, but, you know, within employees or between employees. And it's something that's really uncomfortable. It's something that's really hard. And I know that you recently shared that the workplace isn't Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And as a Disneyland fanatic, you know, I, I love the environment. I love what it is, what it stands for. And, you know, also going back to having this kind of childlike mindset, but what is it can you explain a little bit more about what you mean that the workplace is not like Disneyland?
1: Well, the way I see Disneyland, it's it's there is always a happy ending or there everybody's taken care of. There are so many treats in the workplace. And um, sometimes it can be that an employee is going through a challenging time, especially now when people are dealing with loneliness, when people are dealing with seasonal little sadness. When people are also dealing with the fact that they might have lost someone close to them, right? So we have to realize that we humans, we have emotions. We have positive emotions, but also emotions that make us sad, make us angry, make us cry. And that's the reason why I always refer to Inside Out. If you're a parent and you haven't seen Inside Out, I encourage you to watch Inside Out because... Yeah. I can definitely see the same emotions being there in the workplace, but we expect people to be clowns and to laugh all the time and only share their positive things, whilst you know, we hide that sadness, we hide the angriness, and we are not allowing those emotions in the workplace. So you're basically telling somebody to hold keep up a mask, which is draining, which is making them feel disconnected with themselves which is also you know concluding towards a part where you that person might be ending to become a burnout employee.
0: Yeah right before you said inside out that's exactly what I was thinking as well and that's a really good point that you bring up where if you are forcing employees to show only a certain type of emotion Mm -hmm. and, and having that mask up that defeats the purpose of authenticity, that a lot of leaders and organizations want. Um, it removes that uh, that true connection that people can have with each other, and it re- it takes out that vulnerability that builds trust within organizations. So that's a really good point. I I can't, you know, I I think it's with. The established traditional manager mindset of, you know, you come to work, this is how you act. Yes, while we're still currently transitioning to a more compassionate and empathetic workplace, we still have a long ways to go. And I know your work with you know humanizing the workplace and your series in humanizing the workplace, it's this global movement and effort. So, what are the most common trends that you're seeing leaders and organizations begin to adopt?
1: They begin to show their eq side so activating their eq side because there is a way i don't know where it happened or what people did in the past, but a leader being vulnerable that used to be an you know not something that they doing that they used to do, but they are showing up more authentically they are uh activating self-leadership and they are really nudging people to or nudging people to become better to improve their their professional development right so i see leaders as a coach and that's where we need to be and also uh you said something about people acting in the workplace Mm -hmm. and i'm just like that's that's the reason why I started humanizing the workplace because last year, this time, I was doing a part time job on the side and I realized that I was acting and I was not feeling that I was heard or listened to. People listened to me, but still they did not follow up, they did not show up, and I really felt that huge disconnect with the workplace. And out of let's say frustration, I'm still keeping it, you know, decent without calling them or naming who they were or where I was. I really felt a huge disconnect and I really felt at the time that I was being dehumanized and I was just like, okay, calling my show or naming my show, dehumanizing the workplace is not the attention that I want to bring. I want to focus on the attention, how we can salvage that, how we can increase the human factor in the workplace, because that's missing. That's the reason why people are burning out. That's the reason why people are leaving the workplace. So that's the reason why people become freelancers, because they don't feel like they are a part of something cool or something inclusive or a company that values them for being themselves.
0: Yeah, and as we think about inclusion, not allowing people to be connected to either their work or even to themselves in and of itself it creates an exclusive uh culture, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're not allowing people to bring their full selves to work. You are not allowing people to connect with each other. You're not allowing them to really focus on themselves to be become better and grow and bring their full selves to work. And something that you've also shared before is when you look at wellness, wellness starts with we, right? Not mm-hmm. I. Yes, right otherwise it would be called illness. Mm-hmm. So, what can organizations do more to take their employees' wellness more seriously and to really look at it as a business strategy as part of the strategy and growth for the organization? Yeah.
1: One thing that I've learned is that every person has individual needs, and every person has um, has their own resiliency level or what they want to work on or build on. So for instance, at the time where people are going through this COVID lockdown, some people have, um, are worried about their financial future. Some people are worried about the fact that they might have lost their mom or they might have lost a parent who is at the moment uh, um, ill in the hospital. Or some people are just worried about just being worried. So give people the opportunity to choose what it is that they want to work on so that they can build up that resiliency. So what what workplace wellness does is it creates the, um, the reversal effect of a domino effect. So instead of, you know, a domino is falling down, lifting one domino up can also mean that you're lifting other stones up as well. And that will mm-hmm. build towards that. Having that better resiliency, because this lockdown is asking a lot from us
0: yeah i i I can personally attest to that. I can see that across the organization i I see this everywhere across the world um, when we look at I know that the u s here in the states, we have this mindset of, oh my gosh, it's us, like we shut down our economy, we are being hit hardest with this. And unfortunately, those blinders don't lend themselves to the fact that the rest of the world is hurting. There's other people that are that are being hurt. It's not just about you um, or your business. It's it's about the effect that you're having on others. There's a huge impact that organizations have and leaders have again. Across society and across the world, so that's it's really important to be mindful of that. I, I want to go back to your uh, your summit, Amplify DEI. You, it was a huge ordeal for you to undertake mm-hmm. something that you're very, very passionate about, um, and you had almost 70 speakers, I believe, talk over three days on DEI. What were your biggest takeaways from that event? Because that was something that was huge and immense that I know that a lot of people can still learn from. So, what were your biggest takeaways?
1: The biggest takeaway is that um this summit created a library for people who are just starting with DEI or for people who are already, you know, intermediate or already feel like they are the expert level. It's also a summit where HR managers or managers can learn what it is, what it means, what the EII beholds, and what they can do to decrease the exclusion, to amplify diversity, and to really put inclusion on a on a bigger on a better level. The next time, next year, I am seeing a trend where. Companies are showing the numbers. I know that the numbers is not the only way to showcase, you know, what it is and what a company is doing with DEI. But then again, we need to see that a company is doing the work. We need to see that the companies really show doing the work from the inside and then from there on building towards their external stakeholders. Um, people the the reactions response were intense it was so positive and people were just like wow this is this is beyond netflix it was even better than netflix (laughs) so netflix don't steal my idea (laughs) (laughs) but um and again i have to say if my son didn't ask me about my well-being so it all started again with him and that's why I, i listen he's at an age where he can sometimes be annoying but i still listen to him because i had to share why george Floyd died and he asked me the question is somebody going to hurt you mama and the fact that he asked me that question made me create this summit because it's all about planting seeds now so that in 20 years time we are not repeating ourselves and we are not moving the needle backwards but forwards
0: yeah there's a lot of movement that we need to have we need to just make progress slowly and yet surely. That's something that I'm picking up on, you know, as as we're talking is it's all about progress. It doesn't matter if it's a huge leap forward or a tiny, tiny little step back, or even if you take a step backwards, recognizing that it's okay. Right. It's like, you know, it's like working out. You know, you have a goal. You might hit the goal fast, slow, you might fail to go to the gym or go run, whatever, but to get back on it and to keep moving forward. The thing that I wanted to ask you, and this might be a bit of a difficult question, mm-hmm. I think. It's a difficult question in my head. Just so, it up. <laughs> I've noticed that a lot of events like yours and others, a lot of talks, panels, podcasts, videos, whatever, tend to rotate the same people. They're all awesome, they mm-hmm. all have amazing insights, but it's the same people in the same groups. And so do you feel like our messages are actually being heard or do you think that we're more of an, in an echo chamber because a lot of people are, a lot of leaders or organizations are having that ostrich effect where they're just kind of sticking their head in the sand? Right? And they're not really willing to listen and change, whether it's on wellness, humanizing the workplace, leading for people first, or DEI. So, what do you think? Like, do you think that our messages are actually being communicated, and those seeds are actually getting planted, is, or is there something different that we need to do?
1: It is mixed. So, I believe in the following quote that it takes a village to raise a child, and this, you know, this this task of working. To a more equitable workplace globally, it's not a, a small pie that you, we are baking. It's a huge pie that we are baking, and the fact that we are connecting with like-minded people, the more the merrier. Um, but also regarding leaders, I'm I'm I do see a shift. I do see I do see companies really challenging their leaders. Um, sometimes it might be a PR stunt. So I, I cannot, you know, I cannot see that from afar because in the beginning, when I saw the Wells Fargo uh, percentage of holding a manager accountable for their, um, their diversity number within the team, I was just like, yes. And then I think two months later or so the director said something about not being able to find diverse people. And I was just like, why are you saying that? Yeah. If you're not finding the right people or the diverse people, then that means that you have to do something different than what you always done. You have to look in different talent pools or you have to activate recruiting recruiting agencies to help you. You have to mentor people. I'm just giving, you know, just giving some tips because we need, (laughs) we need to hear this. So the leaders that are saying we can't find them, you don't you haven't met me because I'm here sitting here in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, where I thought that I was small, I managed to activate 69 people across the globe. And you're trying to say that, that I don't have a CEO label, I'm not part of a huge company where I can use that as an equity to wheel in more talent and you're saying you can't find them I'm saying you haven't done the work
0: it's really important to not just put in the work but also recognize that what you're doing is not working and you have to try something new and that's where a lot of creativity and innovation comes into play right you need to really talk to other people and and if you're not hitting those numbers or you're not hitting your goals especially around DEI start talking to other people because there are people in the world like you that are doing this amazing work that have an amazing network so it's really it's not hard you just have to go out and find it so the last question i want to ask you is what is the impact that you are looking to leave on this world
1: when I started with the Amplify DEI, I wanted to be able to answer my son. When he's a teenager, to be able to answer him, I did this, I created this movement because I want it to be an answer for the question that a lot of people are withholding. And um, I also mentioned this earlier before, like Alexis Ohanian did something courageous for his daughter. Uh, He stepped down from Reddit and gave up his seat for a person of color, a black man, so that he can be able to answer his daughter and say, I did that and I'm still doing a lot, but at least I looked in the mirror and did something else.
0: Yeah, I love the Reddit example because there's a lot, There is that he didn't just take he didn't just leave his seat because he didn't think it was good enough. He left action for those people to actually uh, for that organization to take a part of and why mm-hmm. he was doing it. Mm-hmm. And what you've shared so far during this whole talk is when we really think about our kids and future generations, what are we leaving them? What are we looking to do to show that we are doing be- we are doing better? Uh, How are we growing as a society, as a culture? Um, Really thinking about the future in that sense and allowing ourselves to learn, not just leave our kids something better for them, but also to look at what are they they learning? What are they Mm -hmm. seeing? What are they seeing us do? I mean, I I learn from my daughter every day, just like I'm sure you learn from your son every day. Where it's like, oh, I didn't realize you noticed that, or you, that you saw that, or that you observed that, and that is a reflection on myself. Mm-hmm. That's something that I I need to you know personally either improve on or, or work harder for for our kids. Um, and so that's those are really really great points. Uh, before you go, Vivian, thank you again for coming on. Where can people connect with you, and where can they find Amplify DEI?
1: I have to say thank you, Chris, for having me on this uh, podcast and uh, where can people find me? People can find me on LinkedIn, Vivian Aqua, AmplifyDEI, it's AmplifyDEI.com and otherwise Twitter. I'm also on Twitter. I sometimes take a social break. So if I don't reply immediately, it's not you, it's me. Mm I'm very approachable know that and for whoever is whoever wants to activate their listen and learn and moving the needle modus know where to find me on LinkedIn
0: perfect well Vivian thank you again so much for coming on it's been a pleasure talking with you as always I can't wait to see where Amplify DEI goes next year likewise (laughs) yep what the next steps are so Um, yeah, I mean, you've, you've really started an amazing movement, so I can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the leading people first podcast. I want to make sure that we don't stick our heads in the sand. So make sure you screenshot and share this episode with someone who really needs to hear Vivian's message. We have so much work to do to humanize the workplace and amplify diversity, equity, and inclusion. Vivian is such a fantastic people-first leader, and I'm so incredibly grateful to have gotten to talk to her about her work and our approach to the employee experience. So make sure you connect with Vivian. All of her information is down in the show notes. I'm glad you're joining me on this journey, exploring how leadership affects the employee experience. Make sure you hit subscribe and be sure, again, to share this episode with someone who really, really needs to hear about Vivian's work. Keep leading people first and stay awesome. Hey, real quick before you go, I want to share a complimentary course that's being offered by this episode's People First Partner, WorkSmart. WorkSmart is hosting a creative innovation masterclass for leaders in the corporate and nonprofit sectors, so more people can have access to the impact of bringing creativity to work. The objective of this four-part course is for leaders to learn some creative tools they can take back to their teams to overcome challenges and vet opportunities. This also gives people a chance to have their voice heard and collaborate in new ways. Again, this course is completely complimentary with no upsell or pitch. You just have to pay for the materials and shipping uh, themselves. So again, this course starts in the new year 2021. So you have to sign up before the holidays so you can get the materials sent to you. Registration link is in the show notes, so make sure you click on it and don't miss out, and I will see you there.